0: The return to glory. Here comes Michael Jordan. Why? you believe yes! I don't believe what I just saw! In number 4192. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship!
1: And welcome to the third episode of Embrace Debate presented by Uncensored Sports. I'm Jack alongside PJ and Pat. Let's jump right in to recapping the Elite Eight and previewing the Final Four. And, Pat, what are your uh, hot takes heading into
0: certainly an interesting Final Four field? Yeah, Jack, there's a lot of different ways to look at this Final Four. You know, in the first game, you've got the Battle of Texas and Houston and Baylor, um, two teams that kind of dominated their conference play. Um, Baylor definitely being the favorite and kind of expected to make it to the national championship. Um, Houston's a very solid squad. They play really good defense. And um, I think that game's gonna be a lot closer than people think. Um, I've heard a lot of people saying, hey, don't don't skip to that Baylor-Gonzaga national championship. Houston's a team to be reckoned with and we'll see how that goes. And obviously, you know, kind of the talk of the tournament, that Cinderella team, if you wanna say it, even though they're a blue blood with UCLA, uh, facing Gonzaga in the nightcap of that final four. Um, Mick Cronin leading that uh, Bruins team to the final four in his third season. Really exciting um, team they got going. A lot of momentum, but they face the 30-0, and 0, Gonzaga, um, and a team that really has n- never played a close game all season. I mean, they've won every game by double figures and looks like a team that just can't be stopped. Um So I'm personally very excited for this. Um, I know Jack, you're also uh, a big Mick Cronin guy. You got some thoughts on UCLA and kind of how they've made this run to the final four with that upset win over Michigan. Yeah.
1: uh, You know, UCLA, one of the greatest programs in college basketball history. Um, Look, Mick, obviously he's starting to really prove himself. He, uh, when he was in Cincinnati and he, he, just couldn't get past, um, the second round. I think he might've made the sweet 16 once Pat, but he definitely needed to prove himself. And he did that with this big, um, role, fo- uh, following the footsteps of John Wooden and, um, you know, Mick, the big question for Mick is how is he going to compete with Gonzaga? Gonzaga is a powerhouse. Gonzaga, um, a dominant team michigan um who cronin and the bruins beat um michigan had its weaknesses um and gonzaga i really just don't know any um and for mick you know mick likes to play clean he likes to you know he's a good catholic boy but the question is is how is he going to compete with uh, the bulldogs of gonzaga pj what are your thoughts um, I mean, I think at this point, it's just all Gonzaga,
2: and who can stop Gonzaga? Um, personally, for me, I think in the end, it'll be Houston that maybe won't stop them, but I think they have the best chance, mainly um, because they're good at forcing um, teams to make threes, and Gonzaga, they're not bad at shooting threes, it's just definitely not their strong suit. Like um, you said, a lot of respect for Mike Cronin, um, great coach, but I just don't see UCLA being able to do it, um, and I just think Gonzaga's uh, too hot right now for Baylor to
1: stop. Yeah, I think that um, like calling him a great coach, that has like if he he's obviously made quite a run for it this uh, this season, but Pat, do you think it's fair to call him a great coach? I mean, he has he reached that pedigree yet?
0: Yeah, I I think he gained a lot of respect as you said those UC days. Um, it was this second he led the second best program in the city of Cincinnati, right? He got outshined by that uh, team in blue and white known as the Musketeers, whether it be the Crosstown shootout or, you know, the Muskies being able to make it to those sweet eight, sweet 16 elite eights and Mick getting bounced in that second tournament, second round of the tournament. But he's just got a lot of like really solid players who have stepped up each and every game of this tournament. Like a Johnny Juzang who just has shot the ball lights out against Michigan. Um, You got Tiger Campbell, their little guard, number 10 with the big hair. He's just, he's really scrappy and he makes a lot of big time plays. And I think you saw, you see that in each of their games. They just want it more. And when they're able to hang around, hang around, hang around, and ultimately go and win these games, it, it just looks really good. Um, but, you know, they didn't match up great against Michigan, but they were able to stop Hunter Dickinson. Um, but that's really, once they stopped him, they kind of figured out the game where you got that three-headed monster at Gonzaga with Drew Timmy, Jalen Suggs, and Corey Kisper, who all three are um, top 15 players in the NCAA. And just for them to stop it, it could be brutal. And I hope for our sake as a college basketball fan, um, it's not a blowout in the final four, but I think we could be heading that way.
1: Yeah. When it comes to um, Baylor as well, I mean, Baylor has really not had the steepest competition in their bracket. So how do you guys think they're going to adjust to the Houston uh, face-off?
0: Yeah. As uh, PJ was saying, Houston, plays extremely good defense. They force a lot of bad shots. I mean, you looked at a team like Syracuse who was really hot and looked like they couldn't miss. You got Buddy Buckets and they shut them down. They held them to under 50 points. So if, if Houston can uh, take care of the ball, you've got to limit Baylor in transition. Uh, that was a problem Arkansas had. They just had too many turnovers early and dug themselves a hole. Um, and so Baylor, you know, they're really talented, but um, as PJ said, and I think people people are kind of turning that. Hey, this Houston team might might pull off the upset against Baylor.
2: Yeah, I completely I completely agree with what Patrick said there. Um, I personally have Houston winning this game, and I think Patrick alluded to this a little bit. But um, the main the main strategy I think going to this game for Baylor, the main way I see them winning, um, is if they can get those turnovers going on defense. Um, they're not a great defensive efficiency team. But they do get those turnovers. And I think if they can get those going again, they have a chance against Houston.
0: Yeah, I think it also just comes down to those guards for uh, Baylor. You know, they've got really experienced guard play that I think has helped them throughout this tournament. Guys like Davion Mitchell, uh, Macy O'Teague, um, and Jared Butler, they make big time plays. And I think we saw their potential to shoot the ball lights out. Um, and so I really hope. Baylor is able to go I think that sets up a great matchup in that national championship and as tough as Gonzaga looks I like to think Baylor will give him a good shot and can maybe win it all and I'd like that to see you know Macy Ortega guy from Cincinnati and to kind of just put it out there that only one of the uncensored writers would uh, get the national champion correct.
1: Yep, and uh, and in other college basketball news today, um, UNC head coach Roy Williams announced his retirement. Um, Roy, who uh, just a true man of class. I mean, class taste, just a all around good guy. Um, you know, famous for that TikTok uh, and the viral video of him walking into the locker room after beating Duke, as you guys know. Um, so, Pat, you know, he certainly has an incredible legacy in the world of college basketball.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the most historic coaches, um, whether it be his time at Kansas um, and then obviously at UNC. Um, I think that vacancy, it's got to be a top five coaching job in all of college basketball. Right. I mean, it's as top as you get blue blood, Michael Jordan, that. Um, Tar Heel blue, and I think it should be exciting. I think there's going to be a lot of talk these next couple of weeks about what kind of coaches, you know, do they stick with a UNC guy like a Hubert Davis or Wes Miller, um, but someone outside the box, I think we should think about is a guy like Mark Few, right? If he's able to lead the Gonzaga team to the national championship and win it, and he gets that you know elusive title, if there was ever going to be a college job for him to leave, I think UNC's got to be at the top of that list. Um, so that's a, you know, a little bit outside of the box, um, person to take that job, but I think it's a really big job. And if I was a college coach, I think that's, that's just about as high as you can get in terms of coaching jobs.
1: Yeah. I mean that Duke, um, some incredible programs in the state of North Carolina. Um, and, and Pat, what do you think about, um, Bill Self following in Roy Williams' footsteps, coaching Kansas and then going to UNC. That would be a really interesting uh, plot.
0: Yeah, that would be really interesting. I mean, we saw a guy like Chris Beard uh, just decided to leave Texas Tech to go to Texas, right? Those two teams that are actually in the same conference, um, but obviously Texas being the bigger name. Um, Bill Self's got, got some issues at Kansas and stuff that people like to kind of push under the rug in terms of recruitment violations. So... Does UNC want to take that on? I'm not sure, but in college basketball, you see that all the time, whether it be, you know, John Calipari, a Rick Bettino, or Bruce Pearl, there's a lot of guys who get thrown around with, you know, some allegations, some, some murky water about college basketball um, that just seems to kind of get quiet all of a sudden when they take these new jobs. So we'll see. Um, but I think it's exciting. Are you guys excited for the possibility of a Gonzaga Baylor? The fact that we could have these two teams that have been one and two, just about the entire year going to be able to play in the national championship. You think that's like a big buildup or you think it's Gonzaga's to lose and it doesn't matter who they play.
1: I think there are two ends of the, like the argument spectrum. There's one where, you know, Oh, this is so boring. It's, it's what it was predicted to be. And two, This is a historic final four, a historic, um, matchup. You know, we've got two of the top chalk teams. You've got probably the most and Patrick, you could back me up on this, but the, one of the most winning programs of all time. And then you've got a team from a, from a terrible conference, the American conference, which we, you and I, we all know that It's it's an awful conference. Um, the American and, um, it's a really interesting field in the final four. So it's either a terrible final four or it's a historic one. However you,
0: you know, view it. Yeah. I could see. Yeah. Both so I, I think we'll see, I would, I really hope we get that bit Baylor Gonzaga because I think it'll be a shootout, right. you've got all kinds of talented, you got talented senior guards on um, Baylor that lead that uh, at, backcourt and then the really talented frontcourt in gonzaga with kisper and timmy so that kind of matchup could be you know that big uh big build build up even though we don't have those two blue blood programs which obviously has been the talk of all of college basketball the lack of blue bloods but i think when you look past that i mean it's been an incredibly entertaining march madness and just all kinds of basketball that me as a diehard college basketball fan, I've loved, and I don't know about you guys, like PJ, how you feel March Madness is gone, but I've loved every second of it.
2: Yeah, I'm totally with you there. I've loved it. I wasn't sure um, what I was going to think of it this year, how different it was going to be. But I mean, this year just, it gave me what I wanted. I got my upsets, um, I got my Cinderella's, and I've got four great teams in the final four. Talk about what you're talking about. I would like to see that Baylor-Gonzaga game, that game that sort of, you know, you didn't want to see, you didn't want to see the 2-1 seeds, but then again, on the other hand, you did. You wanted to see that great game. I almost feel like Houston could give them a better fight. Um, I feel like Houston might have a better chance of winning that game, but I would love to see Baylor and Gonzaga uh, shooting it out in the final.
0: Yeah, I mean, you think about all the different, you know, there's just been so many fun storylines that the Oral Roberts, the Sister Jean, the UCLA run, um, Albanine Christian. I mean, all the first round episodes, just what you love about college basketball, right? I saw something on Twitter where it's like in college football, you know who the best teams. It's gonna be Alabama or it's gonna be Clemson, maybe throwing Ohio State, right? Like it's predetermined what's gonna happen. I mean. I don't think anyone in America really knew what Oral Roberts was before they somehow made it to the um, Sweet 16 and were able to win it. So I think it's really fun. Um, As we've said in the past, you know, we missed that March Madness in the past. So I think I think we're in for hopefully in for a good Final Four. And, yeah, so if there, um, – I feel like we'll have to see. I'm sure um, I'll put some blogs out there, and we'll do some different graphics, whether it be bets with Jack and I or some of uh, PJ Hot takes regarding Houston. Um, and as we you know, enter the calendar uh, month of April, that brings the sport of America's pastime, the game that just everyone in America loves, and that would be baseball, right, Jack and PJ?
1: Yeah, I mean – it's so nice to see baseball back um, after a really hard past year for everyone. Um, It's great to see fans in the stands. um, Just the beauty of the game um, in full force, but obviously come with coming, coming with that. There's a lot of questions first um, and most pressing is the COVID issue. We already saw um, the Mets and Nats game get canceled um, or postponed because there was an exposure um to covet on the nationals end um, and then there's a lot of questions about you know um, the future of the game you've already seen um several steps by joe Torre and um you know the commissioner's office trying to speed up the game when it comes to possible robo umps and larger bags to make the game go faster um clocks between innings so you can, you can re- maximize your revenue um streams Um, when it comes to making money from Major League Baseball. And then there's a lot of great plots emerging, um, most notably in the American League West with the Dodgers and Padres, which will surely be an incredible um, face-off and could very well be the Pennant Series um, this fall. And, yeah, a lot of young talent and a lot of veterans approaching um, historic milestones, Miguel Cabrera, approaching 3000 hits, Max Scherzer approaching 3000 strikeouts. So just a lot of exciting, um, things happening, obviously the Reds, um, who I am a fan of lost pretty rough today. Um, they were competitive till the end, but it was a disappointing, um, disappointing presence on the mound. But, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's a three game series for a reason.
0: Yeah. Can we just talk about like the MLB? I'm sorry. I'll put it out there. I'm not the biggest fan of baseball in the MLB. I mean, it's the first game of the season. We already had postponements. I mean, to me, the whole season in 2020 was a bit of a mess. I mean, you had the Marlins who are off for like four weeks in the middle of the season and, without fans i mean it's already that not that much excitement i kind of brought the whole thing down and then you had COVID issues with the dodgers and the world series and the positive tests so i don't know um what all they're going to do and then the reports that i don't know if you if this is right jack that they're kind of unjuicing the baseballs and we're not going to see as many home runs i mean what what's the mlb doing to kind of bring us in i mean yeah. I guess you can say the padres but yeah
1: yeah well I, I I have no comment on the the ball issue um what I'll say is that to you know the Rob Manfred has been a very good umpire and a, definitely a change from Bud Selig who was the commissioner before him um when it comes to modernizing the game bringing more young people I think um for baseball especially for being such a legacy sport in america um america's national pastime um it's really important to have community and faces of franchises and faces to, of the league at the forefront mike trout has been that for many years um you know we've had guys like justin verlander and uh, Mookie bets betts and now fernando tatis jr um the san diego padres who have all Um, You know, come on to the forefront in the past. Derek Jeter, A. Rod, um, even Barry Bonds, despite the um, the performance-enhancing drug scandals um, and the steroids, they are still faces of the um, of the game, and that will forever be a fact, forever be a reality. Um, It's a beautiful legacy, and I think just because maybe the majority of baseball fans are centered around a certain older age demographic that doesn't take away that there is still a large youth um fan base and baseball is a sport that um in my opinion has a beauty to it like none other um and there's something about it that uh that no other sport can bring um a combination of you know peace um history and also excitement
0: yeah can we address mis- mr mike trout i mean i feel like the expectations have got to be higher i mean very limited baseball knowledge people regard him as one of the the greatest players of all time he's heard yeah. every three or four seasons and he's never won a playoff series like so, so here's in, the problem with mike Trout. you want to bring in of, young people and yeah. you want to get attraction to the sport your best player doesn't even win in the playoffs that's like lebron not even making the playoffs like I don't understand that. In fairness, he played for the Angels. Yeah, that's what
1: I was going to say. So despite having, I think maybe, I think it's like the third or fourth richest contract in in sports in America, um, the the Angels have really put all their chips on Mike Trout to win. Um, But yeah, he definitely um, has not brought in the Angels to that level of winning. The Angels, um, I don't even know who owns the Angels right now. I think it... um, I don't know who the family is, but they um, certainly have been investing in the postseason in some talent. Um, I think they acquired, um, what's his name? Uh, Dylan Bundy, uh, Griffin Canning, those guys who are uh, Dylan Bundy, he was with PJ's Orioles, uh, these guys who are kind of veteran pitchers, semi veteran pitchers moving over, uh, but certainly they need to have some. fresh blood per se you know what what's made the rays and the padres and even the indians and smaller market and and the twins too in smaller market cities is they've put a huge um, focus on player development and despite being in los angeles you have to understand understand something about the angels one they're in anaheim which is a neighborhood they're not like the dodgers who are in hollywood park um, and the dodgers who Basically, are the main baseball team in Los Angeles. Um, that's just the that's just a, that's just the dynamic. Um, the Dodgers have an incredible legacy of winning, um, and they certainly have a lot of money because they're owned by private equity. Um, two, the Angels, um, you know, they hit they 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 hit the uh, spot with Mike Trout. They definitely uh, they definitely succeeded in acquiring Trout um, and developing him through the system. He's a three-time MVP, but it's hard for us on the East coast to also appreciate Mike Trout because, you know, he plays at 10 PM every night. So that's another dynamic that's important to understand, but yes, Mike Trout, easy hall of famer, first ballot, but he definitely has some work to do in solidifying himself as a goat on the bonds, um, Hank Aaron, Willie Mays level. um, And, that comes with winning just like Michael Jordan before he won, you know, he wanted to be like Charles Barkley. He wanted to be like Larry bird. He wanted to be like those guys, magic Johnson, you know, those guys who could win. He wanted to be like them, And that made that that's what took him to the next level to solidify himself as a um, goat. So it's as yeah, simple as that. Mean,
0: Michael Jordan wanted to be like magic Johnson, Larry exactly. bird guys who are exactly. constantly in the NBA finals winning. Exactly. I mean, you could say Mike Trout's like, like uh, Charles Barkley. Yeah. Charles Barkley has had more more postseason success than Mike Trout, just, just to put that out there. It's
1: also different, you know, it's different, but.
0: Yeah. I mean, two I, mean I guess there, there's five guys on the court and Mike Trout can't pitch and he can't hit and all that different stuff. Yeah, like, like
1: Michael Jordan can play offense and defense. I mean, mm-hmm. look, he has, Mike Trout has this great, hybrid of power, speed. He's a he's a he's the ultimate five tool player. It's as simple as that. He's the ultimate five tool player. He can run, he can hit for power, he can fit for, hit for accuracy, he can throw, and he can field. I mean that's a five tool player. And uh he he's incredible. Um but there are also um other great talents who could end up being on the mic trap caliber um, everyone loves Tatis, Juan Soto of the Nationals, Ronaldo Acuna of the Braves, um, a lot of great talent. And PJ, do you have any thoughts?
2: Yeah, um, just to answer your question before, um, Arturo Moreno, I think I hope I pronounced it right, um, that's who owns the Angels. And I completely agree with everything you said um, about Trout, about him being on the West Coast and not being able to appreciate him, about him being on the Angels. Um, I will say, though, the biggest question for opening day is how you give up six runs in the first inning. Um, but in all seriousness, I'm really looking forward to the season. Um, I'm hoping that the Padres will be something similar to what the Bucs were this season in the NFL. I would love to see the Padres and the Dodgers go at it um, somewhere in the playoffs. Um, Phillies got our pitching not good by any means, but under control. Um, the Orioles will be a, a dumpster fire like every year. That's to be expected. But, yeah, um, I'm really looking forward to this season. I think last season, especially, like Pat said, with the Marlins, um, them will be really struggled with the whole COVID issue. Um, I'm hoping now as people start to get vaccinated and as we start to understand more about the virus, um, that this season will go along a lot smoother. Um, it'll be a lot more about the baseball than what happens off the park.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't go as far in as comparing the Padres to the Bucks. It's a totally different thing just because, you know, you don't have the greatest – a uh, p- player in baseball history or in modern baseball history coming to this team. I mean, it's a fairly young team that's been based off of trades and minimal free agent signing. So it's not like they've been buying their team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I understand the underdog mentality, um, but they've just had such a dominant off season where they've made some really, really smart trades. Um, Blake Snell, Darvish, um, to name a few, even smaller guys like Mike Clevencher um, coming along, really making the, making the rotation impressive. They've got a lot of young talent. Denilson Lamette, who has probably the nastiest slider I've ever seen in my life. Um, but yeah, and the Phillies, you know, Dave Dombrowski, big spender, Um is spending that much money on JT Romita worth it? Don't forget it?
0: Bryce Harper, $300 million, can't hit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Bryce Harper's a good player. I I mean, he brings a lot more than hitting to the to the game as well, um, but he can hit. Um, but the bigger question is, is was JT Romita really worth all the money? Dave Dombrowski paid him. Um, obviously, Aaron Nola is a great pitcher. Um, I don't know how he did it today exactly. Um, you know, Wheeler... I don't know who the rest of your rotation is, um, but, you know, you have a good team.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. It's as simple as that. But I do think that the Phillies, the National League East, the Braves are, are going to dominate that. The American League East is what's going to be interesting because the Blue Jays have really emerged as a great team. Um, oh, the Mets, the, actually the Mets and the Braves um, are, but probably the Braves are going to dominate the, um, and at east the Mets will probably um, get a wild card spot but in the American League East the Yankees and Mets um, is another kind of paradox can money buy a great team um, so we'll just have to wait and see yeah
0: let's see like let's see baseball I mean they they get the spotlight towards the end you, you think about August and July when you know we're done with the college sports the NBA playoffs you know are on different days I'd love to see that that California rivalry, right? The Padres with their really good pitching versus the Dodgers and their excellent bats. And then, you know, this up and coming Mets and Steve Cohen, who, you know, got all this money and has Lindor to that extension to see them go against the, you know, the Yankees, the pinstripes, who, if I'm my understanding, have fallen below expectations these last few years after some of their acquisitions in terms of playoff success. Kind of get those rivalries, get things stirring, you know, start to see these bigger ballparks and get that baseball excitement and have the MLB really capitalize on this time of sports coming back, you know, America opening back up. Let's see some action. Let's see some full ballparks. Let's see. Let's see some really fun times for baseball. That's just what I'm hoping that we kind of move on because I think the last season was was not the best for the MLB. Yeah. I mean, viewership was down. That's
1: obviously uh, television viewership was down, which was uh, disappointing to see. Uh, but I also think that there's a lot um, that the MLB is riding on. They're riding on their young talent. Um, and you know, it's tough because when it comes to the whole social justice movement, um, baseball is one of those sports that's um, less diverse than the others. So how do they address that?
0: Um, yeah. So uh we'll see. We've got we've got some exciting baseball. We've got, like we said, Final Four Saturday, National Championship Monday. Um, PG and I will be tuning into some big Champions League games. I know our guy Willie stats uh will be oh, tuning yeah. into those. Um NBA season's heating back up. Um we should have a really fun um MVP race down to the wire. Um any last hot takes, any bold predictions we want to put out there? Um for our listeners, about anything you want, BJ. Um, no, nothing much for me. Um, MLS is going to get
2: starting up the next couple weeks, so I'll be, we'll be hearing a lot from me on that this year. Um, like Pat said, looking forward to some UCL games and looking forward to uh, the NBA postseason as well.
0: Yeah, and- yeah. all. I think all of those writers are excited. But, um... PJ's got some team, I'm not sure, in the MLS, Um, but Jack and I got this really good team, FC Cincinnati, beautiful new stadium, West End Stadium. Bottom of the table. see some content there. Bottom of the table. Um, So, you know, we're excited for that. Uh, You know, we're hoping we don't have to deal with that embarrassment of being the first overall seed and losing in the first round. So that's usually not an issue for FC Cincinnati, usually. Mm-hmm. some team with strange uniforms on the east coast so it should be a fun time for sports
1: all right team well, with strange uniforms on
0: the east coast won the supporter shield pat maybe you should try winning some trophies
2: before you start talking smack
1: all
0: right so, thank you guys is that for... before or after they lost <laughs> to the revolution in the first round
2: before actually, because you know oh. we ma- we managed to win trophies as well, and we beat our rivals, which is something that Cincinnati struggles with
0: just a little. Well, you know, Columbus is they're confident. You know they they've got they've got some money. They got a little bit more experience. i um, Cincinnati money, but... is far and away going to be the best team in Cincinnati this this season in 2021. That new stadium, that uh, Brazilian striker they got. Watch out, MLS. All right.
1: All right. A lot of fun debate today on the third edition of Embrace Debate presented by Uncensored Sports. For more, log on to uncensored-sports.com or check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Until then, have a great day.